0: Welcome to the LS Fables Podcast. I'm Liv. And I'm Sterling. And we're going to answer one of your questions about writing our books or the indie author process. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at LS Fables or here on Spotify. If you want more writing tips and tricks or information about our latest releases, join our newsletter at lsfables.com. Today we're going to launch a new mini series on character work. Yes, um, we've created like a pretty cool little outline for the year Um, we've had a lot of listener questions that have been pertaining to characters so happy 2023 and we're going to kind of kick the year off with making sure everybody really understands their characters and what they're creating and what they're putting out there so if any of you have any new year's resolutions about writing books or other stories we hope we can help this is one of ours yeah (laughs) Okay, so the thing we're going to talk about in particular today are is character creation, like coming up with your character, and archetypes in general. So I think that character creation is the bigger topic of the two, though you could spend quite a bit of time on either. I, but I'm going to start out with archetypes. So an archetypical character or an archetype is an I, a character idea that shows up again and again across human myth, stories, and experience. Mm, yeah, like, you know, not just stories, but ballads and songs. And it's just this pattern that keeps showing up in human experience. So an archetype in one of your stories can be used as a tool. Because the cool thing is that this is a character that your readers relate to and can understand without a lot of thought or Mm -hmm. difficulty. Which can be really useful. Yeah. It's different from a stereotype. A stereotype is an oversimplification of a character idea. Like a dumb jock. There's nothing more to this character besides athletic prowess and a uh, lack of intelligence. Mm-hmm. Or an innocent child. They are pure and incorruptible and have no discernible... Like other motives or feelings or goals. Yes. Um, you know, children can feel jealousy. Children can feel mean and not like that person. Yes. And... I think a lot of time in literature, I dislike the way children are written because they're written as younger than they actually would be mm-hmm. for their age. Um, so, an archetype is something you can choose to use. This is not a blueprint for a character. To give you an idea, another example of an archetype would be an outlaw character. mm Somebody who is rebelling against societal norms. Societal norms. It doesn't mean they're actually technically like a criminal. Yeah. They might not be a criminal, but they live outside of societal norms. Um, There could be, there often is some sort of virtue attached to this character. So think Batman. Think Han Solo. Or your favorite vigilante. They all fall under the outlaw. Archety- archety- archetype. Mm-hmm. However, there's a big difference in Batman and Han Solo. Yeah. Mostly the outfits. <laughs> also, I think the characterization. No, it's, it's literally just the outfits. They're the exact same person. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they're pretty different people, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's a great thing. But they both fulfill this sort of like rebel without a cause. Exactly. Except for they have causes, but it's like, you know, it's like almost punk rock. Yeah. They're very punk rock vibes. The outlaw characters. Yeah. I mean, this is the Wild West guy, too. Right. This, it's, it shows up in a lot of different places, a lot of different guises. Yeah. What are some of our outlaws? Do we have any? I mean, Ryu, but he's also, like, literally an outlaw. I think Ryu is an outlaw character Anyabi is an outlaw character Mm -hmm. and that's interesting because she is a like also the hero's journey like the hero yeah you could argue that she's the hero but I think the way that their society is set up is she's very definitely fighting against a societal norm yeah she's outside her societal norm she's outside Lyria's societal norm the continental societal norm I guess Um, But then, in a really big picture, she's a hero. Yeah. Right, she's a protagonist. She's the kid who leaves home, Mm -hmm. journeys away, yeah, returns with more knowledge. You know, wax on, wax off. Yeah. uh, Master Miyagi kind of stuff. So she could go either hero or outlaw. And I don't think that there's any rule out there saying that you can't have a character who's kind of dabbling in both. Yes, absolutely. These are... These aren't cut-and-paste kind of things. They're useful tools to have up some of it in the story, but you don't need to follow any sort of blueprint. Mm-mm. It's really just um, the idea of the character. Right. There are a lot of different archety- archety- archetypes. It, a quick Google search will tell you that some people claim there's as little as 8 or 12 of them, and some claim that there's more than 200. (laughs) It's not clearly defined. Yeah, this isn't like a hard and fast rule that everybody in the writing world is all in agreement about. Yes. But the hero is a big one from the hero's journey. John Campbell's um Sort of outline of what makes a, a, how do you put this? I guess. Like compelling. A compelling hero story. Right. So his are the hero, the ally, the mentor, uh, the jester, or mm-hmm. the trickster. I, for me, the jester and the trickster I think of the most of with Shakespeare's work. Yeah um you know i just like you have that can the literal jester a lot of times
1: mm-hmm. showing
0: up in shakespeare's work and they're providing comedy but they're also providing like a criticism or a viewpoint on what's going on outside the story inside the story yeah that's interesting um They'll make jokes about how ridiculous the situation is, even though everybody else is acting like it's really serious. They'll make commentary on society and why this is appropriate or not appropriate. And because it's in the guise of a joke, it's more palatable. Yeah, it's like they're, they might speak in riddles or they might speak in jokes or they might just be a character that is written so that you kind of write them off. But they'll also have these gems of truth, yeah, that pierce the rest of the narrative. There's something to be said about the jester in particular. Um, this is a little off topic, but I'm gonna pretend like it's on topic. I was recently flipping through my phone, as one does, and somehow I got onto a I don't know a set of memes or pages or I don't know. Somehow I got to a thing about side characters who stole the show in
1: mm-hmm. TV
0: shows. And a lot of them were the comical were the comical relief, like uh, for instance, being teen wolf miles um he's supposed to be the funny side character, but he I found him more enjoyable and likable than the main protagonist and um female lead and stuff like that and he's but he's also the heart, and that the archetypes kind of also fall into these like categories of like the heart, the brains the you know as well or they kind of tie together sometimes it depends on what you're talking about because there's sort of an archetypical five man group yeah yeah like the leader the the second in command the heart Mm. the strength and like the mage character Mm -hmm. and that comes that's as old as like tales of the monkey king (laughs) like yeah it's really quite quite old and um That I think is very archetypical, but I think also we can, it's, it's important to make sure that we're talking about archetypes and not stereotypes. Yes. I think it says a lot about human nature that the character that's both humorous and heart or provides like truth in Mm -hmm. the story is really compelling to us. Yeah, it's like a therapy session now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back on topic. So, that's archetypical characters. They are there for you to use them. We use them if you've already been writing them and you didn't know that they existed. You've probably been writing them without realizing it. Yeah, yeah. Like we said, I mean, sometimes they mix and match, too. Like, you don't... It's not like, well, I only have one hero and I only have one jester and I only have one outlaw. Yeah. It's so like, your outlaw could also be really hilarious. I think, in a way, our most archetypical story so far has been Vassal. Yeah, I would agree. You have Delph, the hero. Alphonse, Alphonse the, the lover. innocent. Or the innocent or the lover. Mm-hmm. And then... Inyo's uh, the outlaw. Inyo would be the outlaw. And Tristan's also an outlaw. Tristan's the jester. Yeah. Tristan's the jester, even though he's kind of a mean one, mm-hmm. and I think... And then Etienne mage. and then the wizard. So that's interesting. Yeah, still our most popular one so far. So something to consider. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So it's it's really just a tool for you to use. You don't have to use it, but it's there for you if you'd like. So whether or not you're going to make a character that falls under an archetype, how do you make a character? And I think that depends on who you are. That's a good point. How do you make a character? I, like, have an aneurysm. Split off part of your personality. Exactly. Give right. it a new name. <laughs> I grow a tumor in the back of my brain. <laughs> I call it in <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, for me, um, I have a pretty hard time making characters... Without writing them first,
1: mm-hmm. I
0: give them the barest bones, and I know what they probably need to serve for the plot of the story. I mean, I recall that there was points in our life where you and I were plotting with character A and character B. We didn't even name them. We didn't have a, a you know, anything designed for them except really? for that was a long a time long ago. A long time ago, but remember, it was character A gets infected by. The goddess character, Is B. Yeah. yeah, and it's That's like, so like we don't, I don't even need names. I don't even need ages or anything else, like a species. Like I don't need any of that. Yeah, um, but I just know that, like, vaguely where the story's going. Once I know that, then I can create a character in a very rough way, bare parameters, so that I can write them: age, appearance, height. Um, I might give them a couple personality traits but not a lot because once I start writing them, they come out for me. Mm -hmm. I don't like... And if I try to put too much on them, they tend to get really angry about that. Uh, So, for me, I get the barest bones. I just can see the outline a tiny bit of the shape of them and then I start writing. And the more I write them and the more circumstances they're in, the more I know them. That's interesting. I start with a... Idea. I think I've used Delith on the podcast as an example before, but she is one of the protagonists of Vassal and Goddess, and her character idea before there was Adelith was going to be someone who was a follower of a particular set of ideals. In this case, it was religion, mm-hmm. who has that turned on its head. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the fact that she came out as sort of a hero archetype makes sense because one of the things that's really prevalent in like John Campbell's The Hero's Journey Hero mm-hmm. is that they leave, they, they're somewhere comfortable, their village, their home, the mm-hmm. place where they grew up, and they leave it. Yeah. They leave it behind. So, their ideas are challenged by this new world. And that is basically Delith's arc. Mm-hmm. She starts out vassal in at the temple where she was raised. It's a temple de- dedicated to the goddess Enyo. She leaves, goes out into the real world for the first time in her life, and meets Enyo. Mm-hmm. And then has to deal with the differences between her faith and the actual the reality goddess mm-hmm. in in the flesh, sort of. <laughs> um, so hers is a very hero's journey. Yeah. Um, for other characters I've written, any yobby, I needed a zealot. So for... I was Don't like, we all. I need... I basically need a zealot. A character who might not be the best person but is really, really gung-ho for an idea, and also good at convincing other people to follow her. Yeah, charismatic zealot. A a cult cult leader. leader. Not an unlikable zealot. Yeah. Those aren't the same. So I... like Charles Manson. Or Hitler. Yeah. (laughs) So I did some research on what makes that sort of person, what fosters that level of deep belief, Mm -hmm. and it also... The sort of conviction that can convince others to believe it as well, and I based her childhood around that, and so that's how Anya Abi came. I, I relied a lot on like psychology for that one, mm-hmm. but from that basic idea, she kind of grew into her own person. Yeah. No, I mean, I can know that I need a pirate, right? Like Ryu. I'm like, all right, we gotta have a pirate who, like, shows up and is part of, like, part of, the, part of the problem, right? Like, but also, like, part of the solution. So, maybe, maybe something helpful would be to talk about the pieces of a good character. Yeah. So, what do you need? No matter how you start, what do you need to put in the pot to make this good stew? Well, we don't want to kind of spoil the mini-series because we do talk about some of those things. Yeah. You but know, we, Just like the broad strokes? Broad strokes, You need what do you need to start writing a good character? Uh, you need a direction. Absolutely. Base one. You where know, are we going? <laughs> where are we going? But it's not even that. You say direction, but what I think you mean is motivation. You need the character to want something. Right. And as soon as you have a person with a name that wants something, you have a story. Right. So, let's say Ryu, for instance. He wants to make his queen happy by doing what she commands him so that he can stay in his rank and his title and all that stuff. Yes. Or, say, Etienne. Mm-hmm. He wants to become the Master Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yes. I think that's the term. hmm And so he summons, he does the advanced magic that summons the goddess that starts off the whole narrative. Yes. Your character do- doesn't have to get what they want. In fact, your story will be quite a bit longer if they don't. <laughs> yes, and it might actually force you to write a second book. <laughs> yes. Um, but as soon as you have somebody that wants something, you have a story. It's the first step. Yeah. So what's the sec what's the next thing you need? I mean, you have a character that wants something. Y- you need to know you need to know literally where we're going. Well, this isn't plot though. This is just character. I feel like you have to have some plot handled before you can really get your character handled though. Do you feel like you can write a character and then make a plot around them? I think so, really. Yeah. That'd be really hard for me. Hmm, that's interesting. No, I think I think that you can. I think you can have a character in mind. Like I think Anyabi has loosely existed in my mind in different names. She was once Sarah Shadowborn, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then when we had when we went to write Contender or the whole Song of the Lost series, we mm-hmm. were like. I, I was basically like, I want to write this character, so I need a story that she'll fit into. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, but but when you originally created the vagueness of her in all her various names, the first time, was she in creation because of herself or because of the story you were trying to create? Herself. It's always been. Uh, the first time I was writing her, I was writing... I was creating her for somebody else's world. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what the plot was going to be. Mm. Yeah, that is an... I've done that. Okay, I've done that. But those characters, I spend a lot more time on character creation because I don't have anything else going on. Oh, okay, because you don't need them to be anything. Yeah, because I don't know... Because I don't care about the plot. (laughs) Because I'm not in charge of that. Okay, well... For, I think I think really the second step is you need somebody who wants something. That's step one. And then you need to know how they'll react when they don't get it. Oh yeah, I mean like basic personality or temperament traits. Yeah. Like real real basic would be like fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah right like um, as somebody who works with the animals those are things that I deal with on a daily basis is this animal going towards the problem away from the problem or are they frozen um, in traditionally a form of fear but it's a different kind of fear yeah and people have that too everybody does every creature does and so it's like yeah do, is this the person who avoids it and by avoiding it they just get into more trouble or create more problems is the person who goes towards it and solves the problem probably not is it the person who goes towards it and makes worse problems Yeah. Because they're pain in the ass, excuse me. Pain in the butt. (laughs) Yeah. So I think I think that's it. But also if you're going to sit down and write, Mm. then you need to know a little bit about how they feel. So you have a character that wants something. Yeah. They're not going to get it. So hypothetically probably. Probably not. Or it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while, and there's going to be bumps in the road. Yeah. So first bump in the road, or first hint that they're not getting what their motivation is, then how do they how do they react? Mm-hmm. And for people like you who write yourself in mm-hmm. to a character, this could be actually a really good exercise. Mm-hmm. I think our friend Julia, Julia, Juliet. Juliet, Juliet does this. Yes. Author of the Cessarens books, mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, the my the Jack cycle. Yeah. M I G A X. I'm so sorry, Julia, because I'm probably saying it wrong, even though I absolutely love it. Aww. <laughs> um, no. Um. Now I'm jealous because you haven't read them yet. No, because no. Just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, because I love her books. Yes. <laughs> Goof. So, she writes scenes that her characters are in before she actually gets around to writing the parts that are in the story because it, like, helps her figure out who they are. Yeah, I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. I just don't have the time budget currently. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, I mean, like, you, you, you know, like, what does your character want? Fight, flight, or freeze. And how do they feel when they don't get it? Yeah. Or when something gets in their way. Because... Yeah. You need those conflicts, really, for any sort of story. Yeah. Um, You could get a lot more detailed, get really clear on what they look like, and put a backstory in, and this is their childhood. And that's great. Some people are really, really detailed on that stuff. When I do that, um, my characters just get really angry at me about it um, because (laughs) I get it wrong. So I've just kind of started learning not to give them backstories and as I write them, and they show me their backstories, I go to their character sheet and I add it in. Yeah, I'm like, oh yeah. BTW, um, for those of you who may have not had a cell phone in the '90s or early 2000s, um, BTW would be by the way. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, this person has a sibling. This is their age. This is their what they look like. It shows mm-hmm. up in chapter 34. This is it. You can. This is the scene that it shows up in. I don't give them a big backstory. Um, besides the, the extreme basics that I need to move forward, because every time I try to get real detailed on it, I end up getting it wrong and the character gets mad at me about it and I have to go back and fix it anyway. Yes. So, but then, but I want to be detailed. I want to know this character really well. So every time I do learn something, I go and add it to their character sheet. Yeah, I'm a big fan about filling out as you go, mm-hmm. as you need something and as it makes sense to the character as a whole. But when you're first getting out, started on this character creation journey, you have somebody, you have an idea of what they're they're struggling for throughout the current course of the series. Mm-hmm. This is where an archetype can be really helpful. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of a... It's a very vague outline that you can fill in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so if you're the character you're writing, what the thing they want is magical ability and power, mm-hmm. then... You might look to see, look at a stereotypical. Um, I say stereotypical, but I really shouldn't because so archetypical. Um, outline Just of the over here, wizard character. People to be stereotyping people. Oh my god! So all wizards have beards. <laughs> that's not it. But if you look at. An outline of a wizard archetype. You might notice that their strengths are like wisdom and intelligence, and their faults would be, I think, arrogance, probably, mm-hmm. and um, like a body over <laughs> darling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, their um, uh, hubris, probably. Yeah, I mean, like, I my brain flashes over to like Mickey Mouse trying to get those buckets of water handled in um, The, 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 the. Sorcerer's Apprentice. Thank you, yes. Um, you know, like he, he's the apprentice. He doesn't, you know, and how, how advanced is your magical person? Are they the incompetent apprentice or are they the master who left him the <laughs> incompetent? <can> kidding off <laughs> topic. Okay, sorry. You're starting out a character journey. You have a motivation. Mm-hmm. So it might help to know that the first time they come across an issue, they're going to be arrogant and believe that they're going to do just fine and then fail because of it. Yeah. So that's where an archetype can help. Yeah. Give you goals. Give you goals. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So I think that's... It about wraps it up. I yeah. mean, if you want more details, like if you... Are struggling? You can't just fill in as you go, and that's totally fine if that's the case. Then you can just make it a, a straight up character sheet. Yeah. Um, ones that I've come across that I found really helpful are ones that focus on motivation and belief systems. Mm-hmm. It's less about like height, weight. Yeah. You know, like honestly, appearance. It's more about when frustrated. This is the character's reactions. They get. Let me give an example. Ooh, yeah. So, you and I have both read this book. It's the um, the Locked Tomb series, Gideon the Ninth. Ah, okay, yes. Gideon the Ninth is an incredibly charismatic character, mm-hmm. incredibly likable. Yes. You don't find out that her hair is red until you're like 75 to 80% through the book. Yeah, she's your buy-in is she's not described. her personality. Your Brian is all her personality. And she is an incredibly charismatic, easy-to-buy-in character. Mm -hmm. But you know what her motivation is from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Like, the very first chapter, she gets up out of bed, leaves her... (laughs) It <laughs> leaves her ankle bracelet because oh. she's been under house arrest lovingly arranged on her pillow that <laughs> she's neatly made her neatly made bed in her sweet chamber mm-hmm. and then she walks up to the landing pad because this is kind of a sci-fi yeah. wall, to catch a ride off the, the planet where she's lived her whole life and that she absolutely hates. Yeah, Then of course it's taken away from her and how she reacts to that and how it happens are tell you more about her character. And the world and so on. Yeah. Her her belief system is that she's a really great fighter. So when her nemesis, who's a bad fighter but a great mage, mm-hmm. offers her a battle yeah. seemingly unarmed, she falls for it. Only... Gideon! Se- smartest! <laughs> <laughs> Only secretly her nemesis has seated the whole platform with bones that she can pull from the ground and Mm. Gideon fails miserably (laughs) so that's just an example also the other things that make her really charismatic are the details from from the beginning like what kind of person leaves their ankle bracelet lovingly arranged on their very neatly made room kind of a Sarcastic, spiteful. Yeah, you know, like spent a lot of time like thinking this out. Yeah, this is exactly how I'm gonna do it. Yeah, like you know, the person who would stand in the shower washing their hair, being like, "I should have said this when Bob said that." (laughs) Yeah, coming up with comebacks. Yeah. So, so another way to create compelling characters, I think, is to look at compelling characters that you like Mm -hmm. and uh, steal. No, don't steal. (laughs) Great artists steal. Lesser artists borrow. You know who said that? I don't know. Stravinsky. (laughs) Stravinsky said that. And what I think that means is... Don't get caught. (laughs) No. (laughs) I think it means that if you take something, if you take some knowledge from another piece of art, you make it your own Mm -hmm. instead of just copying it. So you're not borrowing it. You're taking it and making it your own. Mm -hmm. Stealing it. Right. Right. So, yeah, I mean, your options are, like, rough it in, know some core motivations, or if you need more details, write the details, make a character sheet, get everything out there. If this happens, what would their reaction be? If that happens, what would their reaction be? Kind of like those old school, like, MySpace or Facebook, like, personality tests. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, from, like, long, long ago. You know, I... Was it you? I knew somebody who, when whenever they're making a character... They would like fill out and like an... Uh, what are they called? Like MJ and in, in... oh, like a Myers Briggs. Yes, that's interesting. I've never been that detailed. And like, then, like that's part of their changes. part of their character sheet It that's, includes their their re- result. That's intense. Yeah, but a lot. but I mean, it, hypothetically, this person would know their characters extremely well. That's true. I think for me, the biggest. Things to rely on are going to be my real brain life. tumor. Oh well, yeah. Sterling relies on her brain tumor. <laughs> we that joke is because her character's like voices in the back of her head. Yeah, this is a little little schizophrenia. It's fine. Definitely though, don't be afraid to lean on things you've seen in real life. Mm-hmm. How people react to adverse situations and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Also use archetypes as you need them. Yeah, they're helpful. You don't have to live with them. And you uh, should, though, steal them, make them your own. Yes. So uh, yeah, I think that's a good start to our mini series. Keep listening this year as we continue to talk about character creation, character traits, the way that we're going to deal with characters, character uh, flaws, character and flaws, death, and how to handle those kinds of things. And I think it's—I'm kind of excited. I think it'll be a really cute little mini series. Might not be that mini, given our propensity for a rambling, uh, but I think it's it'll be how far charm. It, I'd say, it easily seventy-five percent. Oh. I don't think we're bringing, like, a lot else to the table. Asides from our rambling. Our banter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I think banter is 75% of our personality. I wonder who put that in our character sheets. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the LS Fables podcast. Yes, and you can always follow us on Instagram at LS Fables, or you can join our newsletter at lsfables.com.